Hi, and welcome to Last Man Standing here with me, Paul Stevenson, on Republic Broadcasting Network on this uh, Saturday, the 18th of March, 2024. I hope you're all well. Uh, do support the network. If you go to the homepage, you can uh, see the various donate uh, options there. And uh, there's a little yellow button, so it's just Republic Broadcasting Network, republicbroadcasting.org, and you can navigate your way to uh, keeping the show on the road, the uh, the free speech. Uh, trying to think of a, a slattery analogy. I don't know, keeping free the... Speech, the Free Speech Express? The Free Speech Express, yes. The uh, America First uh, Free Speech Express, I guess. Um. Anyway, uh, obviously, as you can all hear, I'm joined by Patrick Slattery. Patrick, uh, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me, Paul. Okay, so we haven't spoken in a while. I didn't do my show last week. I was a bit under the weather. Uh, since then, a lot has happened, and uh, we, we've had the Tucker Carlson interview of uh, Vladimir Putin, um, and uh Breaking news is uh, Alexander, um, uh, what's his name? Alexander um, Kavalny. Kavalny has been uh, uh, found dead in prison. Uh, Navalny, yeah. And um, of course, this is going to feed the rumor mill of the uh, uh, Hitlerian figure of Vladimir Putin uh, killing another one of his political uh, oppositions. But of course, my initial thought, and I think anyone with uh, any kind of logic in their brains, would be to question why a man who's already in prison uh, would need to be murdered. I mean, he's out of the equation. He's out of the picture. It's a cliche when we talk about uh, these uh, so-called authoritarian dictator figures who, in, in quote, imprison their political opposition. Well, if and when they do, uh, they do that to uh, nullify any political threat. So if the guy's in prison... Presumably he's not a threat anymore, so why why would you need to kill him? But, of course, this is already um, the rumor mill uh, that he has been murdered. Um, but to me, it makes no sense. Uh, to, like I said, he's already in prison. Yeah, it's not as if we're going to have any uh, inside information. I don't have any uh, contacts within the Russian prison system. Uh, Navalny was, what was he, 47? Yeah. He was a young man. And... Typically, 47-year-olds don't just drop dead. Uh, conditions in prison aren't ideal. Uh, it is said that he died from a blood clot. And, well, that if you're going to die at a young age, um, that is a plausible explanation. Also, uh, from what I hear, Navalny did have a medical history of this type of thing. But who knows? I, I have no idea. It, the... The thing is, it's it's pretty awkward timing. If if even if Putin wanted to kill him, if he wanted him dead, this wouldn't be the time to do it. Right after the um, rather favorable interview with Tucker Carlson, it certainly wouldn't be the time to do it. But like I said, I have no inside information. Mm. Well, well, it's to be expected. This kind of narrative will uh, prevail in uh, Western circles. Um, over here, in terms of the uh, um, Russia situation, I was listening to uh, a lady yesterday on uh, the on the Times, which is uh, typically 
one of the most uh, Russia uh, Russia phobic uh, networks over here. The Times uh, newspaper, and of course, there are Times, uh, you know, relevant uh, YouTube channels and spinoffs. Uh, some wh- white lady, white upper middle class. I'm trying to remember her name. I can't remember, but she was brought on anyway, and to discuss uh, Putin. Or sorry, yeah, to to discuss the situation with David Cameron, uh, pejoratively referring to those Republicans who are dragging their heels with the aid package, in quotes, to Ukraine as um, basically uh, Hitler um, appeasers, Uh, obviously referring to Putin as Hitler and the Republicans as appeasers of Vladimir Putin for not wanting to um, automatically give the go-ahead with this aid package to Ukraine. And it was just interesting because it kind of highlighted a certain, in my mind, uh, attitude towards the uh, Americans because she mentioned uh, Mar- was it Marjorie Taylor Greene yes. as one of them. Uh, who, because when she was questioned about David Cameron, she said, well, David Cameron can kiss my ass. And uh, she, in her rather well-spoken upper-middle-class uh, accent, referred to those Americans, in quotes. And it really kind of epitomized this kind of attitude that you have with uh, those kind of upper-middle-class types, the Times uh, listeners, the Times readers, who see themselves as superior to the Americans, uh, because she said those Americans, and she, she mentioned Mailer, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, might want to educate themselves. And she went on to refer to, uh, you know, she used the word isolationist and how this was a big problem and problematic for America. And if she educated herself, she would realize that in World War II, it didn't serve you very well because Hitler invaded and in 9-11, uh, a more recent example, uh, we have our enemies and, uh, you know, turning a blind eye to that wouldn't wouldn't work very well, et cetera, et cetera. And she concluded that uh, this is no time for, you know, the uh, for, for tensions and, and uh, those kind of isolationist Americans and that the, the, uh, the world's great democracies need to come together uh, to, and I kid you not, to protect our borders against the autocrats like Putin. Now, let me tell you something. This, the, the Times and people like her, and I, I I kid you not, she's got a face like a bulldog chewing a wasp. This woman, I don't know if she's married, but she has no business being married with a face like that. But um, she thinks that, uh, and people of the Times, these are the same people who will probably go out of their way to block any legislation that we have for removing illegal immigrants and who will constantly promote the idea of open borders and tolerance. But yet, while we have tens of thousands uh, of illegals coming across the English Channel, she's concerned about Vladimir Putin and protecting our borders. And like I said, when it's someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, someone who really is a real American, uh, they're isolationists, and she, and as I say, the way she referred to uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene was some of quote those Americans, and it was said in a very pejorative way. So uh, I thought it would be an interesting uh, little story for uh, the American audience. 
Yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene. So I think yesterday somebody, no, no, I saw a, um, a post on Telegram. Was it, was it Vincent James? It was somebody. And there's some meme that's going around. It's got on the left side Marjorie Taylor Greene and on the right side a, uh, a picture of what is purported to be a model of Neanderthal woman from a French museum but it looks like a dead ringer for Marjorie Taylor Greene. I don't, I really, I kind of doubt the authenticity of it. I, I have the feeling that this is somebody playing around with AI or something. Uh, but nevertheless, nevertheless, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I, I, yeah, I mean, that's, it's a rather crude response, but the um, people, you know, it's this comparison of, uh, the current year, whatever year it is, the current year, it's always 1938 or 1939, Neville Chamberlain, appeasement. I don't know if Neville Chamberlain was ever interviewed in his, his later years. I, I, I don't remember what year he died. I don't, I don't even know if he lasted till the end of World War II. But when you look at the 70 million plus people who died during the war, um, and then you look at the aftermath, the immediate aftermath where Europe is divided and uh, the eastern half of it is under the control of uh, Stalin's Soviet Union and then eventually kind of a heavy-handed bureaucratic Soviet state, which wasn't the end of the world, and those countries did survive it. But then also you see in the long run what happened to the West as a result of what was effectively the empowerment of the uh the jewish minorities in western countries which allowed them to uh seize so much initiative in policy making and what have they done with that initiative what have they done with that that position they've they've overrun the the their host countries with uh people with foreigners and uh, introduced all sorts of uh, well, a completely different culture. Uh, single motherhood is a sign of virtue. Uh, you know, trannyism, homosexuality, all this stuff. And yeah, we have point, yeah, yeah, we have the external. to finish yeah. it up. At some point, um, you have to you have to be honest. Does appeasement really look that bad? <laughs> well. I mean, exactly. And, uh, you know, like you said, you know, we have the, the wrecking ball, of, as you say, uh, you know, of uh, essentially Jewish supremacy in the West and the externalization of the Talmud, essentially, on white European Christian culture. Um, and, and then, and if that wasn't enough, then we have, uh, you know, the Zionists uh, running amok when it comes to our foreign policy and beyond. In fact, you know, we have, um, you know, like semi-mainstream media channels over here uh, who like to sort of uh, present themselves as like uh, some sort of reaction to mainstream media. But they're very much controlled opposition, including uh, GB News, which is uh, Nigel Farage's outfit. But um, there's another one called Talk TV. And I guess, you know, these people are as uh, um, extreme as... Netanyahu's administration. I mean, it doesn't matter how many thousands of Palestinians die. 
uh, from bombing, from starvation, from the conditions in Gaza. I mean, these people are staunch, staunch supporters of Israel and Zionism. In fact, you know, yesterday and over the last couple of days, I couldn't believe, or maybe I should should have believed it, just how many headlines there were talking about the rise in anti-Semitism in, in the UK. And, of course, they cited the figures without questioning them, of course, in any kind of way, the veracity of them or any other uh, aspect of these figures that came from uh, the source of these figures came from a Jewish source, uh, some Jewish charity. But uh, there has been, a, I think, 100 or maybe 247 percent increase in uh, anti-Semitic incidents since October 7th. Now, as usual, they decide and they get to establish what is a an anti-Semitic incident, and that's never challenged as to what qualifies and constitutes a very low bar, I'm sure. But it, it, it the thing that annoys me more than the fact that they're just Zionists and supporters of Jews and Israel, regardless of how many people they slaughter, is that this same media will criticize the left for calling everyone Islamophobic and for calling everyone racist, but yet they will promote this notion just as zealously or even more than the left when it comes to anti-Semitism. You know, Jews are always victims. Uh, in the same way that the BBC and maybe Sky News, when there's a terrorist attack over here with some Islamic extremist who kills a dozen people at a concert or something or whatever it is, the mainstream media goes into an apologetics ministry for Islam. <coughs> well, <coughs> after you have essentially a genocide being perpetrated against the Palestinians, this media goes into an apologetics ministry for Jews and discusses anti-Semitism being on the rise. I mean... I wonder what happened since October 7th, Patrick, that might have caused uh, a rise in, in quotes, anti-Semitism. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, the Israeli government is... uh, What the Israeli government is doing in Gaza, um, if it's not, say, unprecedented, strictly speaking, it's pretty close uh, you know, if you want to find out, if you want to find something similar, you have to go uh, look back maybe at uh, at the genocide in Rwanda or something like that. But I think what is unprecedented is uh, this level of brutality, which is extremely rare, if not unprecedented, is extremely rare. But then it's in our face because in spite of all the efforts to control what comes out of Gaza, uh, the the means of recording and decimate and disseminating this kind of information, uh, it, it's never been easier. And so, people know what's going on. It's it's, um, I mean, I guess if if you spend if you're a, a boomer and you don't know how to use the internet and you spend your days watching uh, cable TV. Maybe you can be sheltered from it to an extent, but uh, most people aren't like that anymore. And so, but, you know, the situation in our, our countries is, well, just to use the United States as an example, you've got your, your uh, democratic establishment and everything that they don't like, uh, which, you know, you could say that the crime, if, as far as they're concerned, the crimes of the Jews are the fault of the Russians. And then the uh, Republican establishment, everything they don't like, 
i.e. the crimes of the Jews, are the fault of the Chinese. Well, then you get these young people in the, the streets and they're looking at like the blatant crimes of Israel. Well, that's the fault of white people. That's, that's Israelis doing white supremacy. Uh, and nobody, uh, you know, even very intelligent, very smart people, they, they pretend that they have no idea what's going on. So just to finish up, as a good example, yesterday, uh, the former American uh, assistant secretary of defense, ambassador to Saudi Arabia, translator, Chinese language translator for Richard Nixon, uh, Chaz Johnson. He was on Alexander McCurris's show, the, the Duran. And he, he was, you know, he's somebody who's very, had a very, very serious career. You think he's got to know what's going on. I mean, it was, it was mainstream. It was establishment. He was a, a career diplomat with the state department, but nevertheless, you know, he's mentioning that, uh, uh, Victoria Newland is supporting the continuation of a war that's just killing all these Ukrainians, just leading to deaths of massive numbers of Ukrainian, despite the fact that she herself is of Ukrainian heritage. Oh, is she of Ukrainian heritage? Is that what we say? Um, you know, it, she's of Jewish heritage, as is uh, Zelensky. And and there's a there's a difference. You can you can. They, there is a difference. The Jews who are of uh, whose ancestors came from Ukraine, to the extent they emigrated to another country, it's because of anti-Semitism. It's because uh, they they were seen as different because they saw themselves as different, and because they were in conflict with those people. They they left Ukraine. They left the Pale of Settlement. They left Poland. They left Hungary because they were in conflict. They were in conflict. And and honestly, when you look at the history, uh, I, to say that the conflict was a two way street is is actually pretty charitable to the Jews. I mean, the Jews, uh, they were playing hardball. Uh, it's yeah, it's a two way street, but the Jews were playing hardball. They were in conflict. To, so for somebody like Chaz Freeman to say that Victoria Newland despite her Ukrainian heritage. No, she doesn't have Ukrainian heritage. And it's, a, it's the same, all these people that you see. truly want to stay out of the system? Are you prepared to buy into the biggest scam since the Iraqi dinar? If not, then put your money where it belongs in your possession, not in the hands of an international MLM cartel. At Kettle Moraine Limited, we will provide you with the finest Swiss-minted detachable gram sheets of pure 24-karat gold for hundreds of dollars less than the so-called privately issued credit cards with elusive gold backing. Gold backing... The only gold that I want is in my back pocket, not backed by promises of an operation even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is suspect of, giving a rating of C-. To get the full story, visit SierraMadrePreciousMetals.com and go to the Valcombi Bullion Vault. 
Once you have read the whole story about the scam being perpetrated on an unsuspecting public and how you can avoid being a victim by purchasing these beautiful, barterable, tradable sheets of gold at tremendous savings and in the strictest of privacy, be prepared to take the steps to protect your wealth with the purchase of the real deal. Detachable 50-gram gold bars from Kettle Moraine Limited by calling 602-799-8214. Ask about our one-ounce Valcombi detachable bars, which break into one-tenth ounce bars. And don't forget, for all of your precious metal needs, whether buying or having the need to sell, call Kettle Moraine Limited. Remember, no dinar, no celery, and no carrots. If you buy from someone else, tell them you want AU, not BS. Call Kettle Moraine LTD today at 602-799-8214. Kettle Moraine LTD, 602-799-8214. Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard, and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. They can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. were playing hardball they were in conflict so for somebody like chaz freeman to say that victoria newland despite her ukrainian heritage no she doesn't have ukrainian heritage and this is it's the same all these people that you see um on anything anything that's going to be on youtube they're everybody is deflecting from the jews whether they're they're saying it's the fault of the russians it's the fault of the chinese it's the fault of white people it's the fault of freemasons it's the, it's the fault of um, the Jesuits, everybody is looking for some way of not being anti-Semitic, of talking about the problems, maybe fixing the problems, but in a way that's totally not anti-Semitic. And like, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to put anybody in prison. I'm not trying to round up people. I, all I say is if we, if we speak honestly, we can take care of this. The, all I want to do is critique Jews the way Jews have critiqued white people my entire life i just want to subject them to critique and i think uh, that the uh, discussion of jewish power is the destruction of jewish power i'm, I'm not into I'm, I'm not trying to imprison people i'm not trying to um punish them even i just want i just want right now just to be able to have an honest discussion and i think the honest discussion is is the way to go so i'll kick it back to you paul 
Well, this is a great frustration because you, you may, I, I listened to that interview myself yesterday, and he he did it, indeed uh, allude to the uh, you know Ukrainian um, historical uh, background of Victoria Newland. Um, but whether it's because of ignorance or whether it's because of a century of intimidation and menticide uh, by Jewish media and uh, lobby groups and the apex, or not even the apex, the ADLs of this world, where people are terrified to talk about it, they refuse to identify it. Um, like I said, whether it's because of ignorance or whether it's because of fear, it's rarely, if ever, gets discussed. And uh, again, you know, even Putin frustrates me in this regard. Um, because I don't think you can understand, uh, you know, what's going on. I mean, you can, you can look, you can look at Israel and you can say, okay, there's a lot of stupid, um, Christians in Israel who don't understand their eschatology or their Bibles. And you can look at the power of the, uh, of the Israeli lobby and APAC particularly as, as some sort of explanation as to why the Americans are so submissive uh, to Israel to the point that Israel is now basically putting the middle finger up to even Americans and we're going to do what we want. We don't care about the ICJ. We don't care about America, whatever. But when it comes to Ukraine, there are people who are scratching their heads on this. And, you know, I spoke to Phil Giraldi about this. In fact, Phil was on uh, yesterday, I believe, or the day before with uh, Judge Napolitano. And again, he mentioned this issue. Uh, with a certain group of people, it's always the same people, uh, and he mentioned their Jewish backgrounds and their uh, connection to history in that region. Uh, it's a bit frustrating that Judge Napolitano never um, opens up this conversation further and move, moves swiftly on. But um, yeah, it's it's a big but, frustration. But at least he gets to, so at least he gets to the uh, the doorstep, though, right? Well, at least he gets to come back uh, because Phil's mentioned that before. Um, but I think the so I, I just want excuse me. I just want clarification. So who was it that brought up the uh, the Jewish heritage of these people? It was uh, Napolitano was is his guest. No, it was Phil Giraldi. Phil Giraldi. Okay, so he would. Yeah, Phil Giraldi would. Yeah, he would bring it up, and Napolito, Napolitano would would shut the door at it. Okay, I get it. Well, he didn't necessarily disagree with him, but he moved on swiftly. And you would think that a comment like that. If you're genuinely trying, because I hear people all the time asking, you know, what is this? You know, as I say, they understand this uh, Israel situation because of the lobby influence, but they really don't understand the Ukraine thing. And so, you know, they ask this question, what interest does America have in this region? Why this hatred of Russia? You know, uh, what has Russia done? The Soviet Union's collapsed, et cetera, et cetera. And. And really, they ask, and they do genuinely believe they want to know, but they don't want that answer. They don't want any of that stuff. Because if that gets thrown into the mix, then their curiosity as to why, really, uh, the Ukraine obsession, it kind of dwindles a little bit. They're not that interested. Uh, in other words, do they really love the truth of the matter? Well, they do, as long as it's not going to be something which is might be costly to them, you know, to to, to bring up this issue. So, okay, I, I, I want to do a little bit of a, um, a re regression. Is that what it is? Uh, so, in shortly after the Russian Revolution, the so-called Russian Revolution, the Bolshevik Revolution is what really we, we should really call it. 
in the wake of World War One, there was uh, I forgot his name, but there was some uh, American military official in Moscow, and he he had reported something like that the uh, the the People's Congress, whatever it was, the uh, big Bolshevik um, meeting had several hundred people and. Uh, and he said that they were, it was something like 95% Jews. And uh, honestly, I don't know how he would have been in a position to know that, um, how he would have been able to. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 carcass drop and lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation. But today I want to spotlight four of our new products. First, our right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next, our beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. EaseOff, LLC, 417-932-6419. February is Heart Month, and every year, Extendivite has a sale. This year is no different. Extendivite is regularly $69.95 plus shipping and handling for a two-month supply. In February, Extendivite is only $57.50 for a two-month supply plus shipping and handling. Extendivite is a combination of garlic, cayenne, hawthorn, bilberry, ginkgo biloba, valerian, and milk thistle. These ingredients work synergistically to improve your overall health. So don't delay. Join the Extendivite family today. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. 
It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBtalk.com and join the social media revolution. meeting at several hundred people and uh and he said that they were it was something like 95 percent jews and honestly i don't know how he would have been in a position to know that um how he would have been able to have that information but what's what i think is significant is that in say 1919 in uh this would have been under president wilson's administration and and president wilson was uh, maybe one of the the first uh, presidents, perhaps the first president, where there really was a lot of Jewish influence exerted on him personally. But the uh, the military at the time, this would have been a military that would have been um, uh, people's careers would have been relatively uninfluenced by Jewish power, with the exception of getting stuck into World War One. But they wouldn't they wouldn't have been socialized to Jewish attitudes. And so uh, it's entirely plausible to, and possible and, and understandable that you would have a, uh, a, a American military officer 100 years ago over in Moscow saying, wow, this place is run by Jews. And e- even to the extent of perhaps exaggerating the situation, uh, the American elite has been gradually captured by uh, – by, by its Jewish component, which has grown. And so, you know, when you, I, f- I forgot why I even launched into this, but when you look back over time, if, if you're looking back um, historically, uh, 30 years ago, 60 years ago, 100 years ago, the dynamics have, have been constantly changing. Um, and I, I'm going to stop talking now. I kind of forgot why I launched into it. I'll probably remember later. Well, what were we talking about just a second ago? Well, I was talking about people like Judge Napolitano, who who are genuinely very curious what the obsession is with Ukraine and, and Russia phobia. But when someone like Phil Giraldi throws in mm-hmm. this, histor- this historical background of someone like uh, Victoria Newland, like you said, and the, the guy Freeman discussed on uh, the Duran, uh, you would think that he might want to explore that a little bit because that's a novel concept in the narrative. No one else is discussing that. They'll discuss all sorts of economic motivations. They'll discuss all sorts of wider geopolitical motivations. Some of them may or may not be valid. But this aspect of it never gets discussed. And so, you know, rather than his eyebrows being raised and asking Giraldi to elaborate on, on, on what he's talking about, it reveals that he's not mm. that he's not he's not that curious about really mm. what it's all about because there's an angle that you might want to explore, but he doesn't want to explore it. So that's what we were talking yeah. about. Talking about the, uh, the the Bolshevik Revolution. Okay, and now I re- now I remember where I was going, and I, I think at some point you had, had had raised the question of you know why are people so Russophobic? Where does this come from? And mm. you know I I think if you you look back, so you look back a hundred years ago and. Obviously, the Bolsheviks were extreme 
radicals. I mean, radical in that they were they had this completely dismantled a the previous system, the governmental system, the social system, the economic system, and we're trying all sorts of new things. Um, you know, war communism, ab- abolishing, pretty much abolishing money. Uh, you know, and they were going back and forth and back and forth. Then you had the new economic policy, you had all sorts of the collectivization of agriculture, uh, abolition of private property, all sorts of weird things were going on. So they were very, very radical, and that in and of itself was enough to raise alarm bells. But I think also, if you go back a hundred years, the uh, American elite, they, uh, you know, they didn't let Jews into their country clubs. They were trying to restrict Jews from. Uh, elite educational institutions uh, trying to, I say trying to, they weren't, they weren't necessarily successful, but a hundred years ago in the um, American lease, the East coast wasp elite, there was a, um, a strain of what, you know, and an an attitude of circumspection as, as the, as these people's reputations preceded them. Yeah. Very, very well said. So there was that, and that probably um, bolstered the uh, alarms that they felt by seeing all the radical policies. So I think that the, the er- very early anti-communism in America uh, overlapped with um, what others would call anti-Semitism, but, you know, just uh, a- a- alarm- being alarmed at-, at Jewish power, that there was an overlap. And, and America became very, very anti-communist. Over the course of the, um, well, leading up to World War II, over the course of Stalin's administration, the Soviet Union became less and less Jewish. It, it remained, you know, it, it maintained this command economy and very tight, you know, bureaucratic control, very, more than heavy handed under Stalin. It was more than heavy handed. It was, it was repressive and bloody. Uh, after Stalin died, the command economy, that was inherited. That continued. This kind of bizarre economic system, non-market economic system, continued. Uh, it became less bloody, just kind of heavy-handed, but certainly less bloody, and um, and less Jewish. It really wasn't that Jewish uh, during the Cold War, and so the anti-communism was <clears throat> simply anti-communism, and the the anti-Semitic aspect of anti-communism receded. And in its place, I think it developed. There was kind of an anti anti Russian element to the anti communism, rather than you know, right. It wasn't anti Semitic anymore. And Jews themselves, over the course of the Cold War, and I think with the nineteen sixty seven um, Six Day War, where where Israel captured all this territory, Jews themselves were moving away from say the american communist party and towards zionism so by the end of the cold war uh anti-communism in the united states had moved from being basically an anti-semitic position to an anti-russian position and it it had become largely devoid of anti-semitism and so with the end of the cold war and the end of communism it um what was left? What was left for for NATO? What was left for the American military? There was they there was still anti-Russianism, and um, I don't know if that was the best explanation, the best timeline, but I, I think it's I, what I do think is really really important is that um, 
the the ideas and the phenomena that we talk about always be placed in their proper historical context and not the historical context of the 20s of the 50s of the 80s of the aughts are are all different and and we can't look at say anti-communism or communism as just being a uh monolith over time no indeed and um you know I, i you know i was thinking about it yesterday for me as a christian someone who's somewhat of a, a scholar when it comes to the history of the church um, and looking at the relationship between Christianity and these people, uh, for example, kind of no stronger a symbol is in the Notre Dame, Notre Dame Cathedral, which uh, interestingly was uh, has suffered a huge fire in 2019, which uh, many of you gloated about um, on Twitter as to uh, how they were happy about that. Um, but the symbolism at the front of that cathedral um, is basically the uh, ecclesia versus the synagogue. And there's a big symbol uh, on each side of the entrance into the cathedral representing the church and representing the synagogue and how these two are at uh, infinite enmity with each other. So when I look at the... Uh, first of all, when I look at the racial supremacist attitude of Jews, which is on display for everybody to see when it comes to the Zionists and in our culture as well, where they assert their dominance, uh, you know, usually clandestinely, but if you're aware of it, you're, you're aware of how much uh, racial supremacy is actually occurring uh, for the Jew over the non-Jew, and particularly in the white uh, Western spheres, English-speaking countries. It's very difficult to swallow. Um, because their history has been, due to their behavior, their unsavory behavior, is that they have been historically looked at uh, to some extent as being um, a little less than human at times because their behavior has you know, demonstrated very, very questionable uh, moral behavior which has you know, brought them into severe clashes with uh, Western culture, but he, yet here they are uh, asserting their dominance and calling everybody in, in Palestine and the Middle East as animals, etc., etc. So it's it's very difficult, especially when these people are constantly referring, you know, invoking the Holocaust and you know, regardless of how many thousands of people uh, they kill next door to them, and no matter regardless of how much destruction they cause, uh, they are always uh, presenting themselves as victims. Um, particularly of those white uh, Europeans in, in history. Uh, and yet, when they're given the chance, you see the kind of wrecking ball that they are, uh, both in, in European you know, culture and American culture, but also it's on open display in Israel. I mean, these people do what they want, say what they want. ICJ, don't care. The United States, who funds us and supports us with, you know, financially, militarily, diplomatically, don't care. We'll do what we want. We're God's chosen people. We are the supreme race, and everyone should be subjugated under us. Don't you know? And I mean, this is on full display uh, in in Israel today. And that, this is why it's like it disgusts me and depresses me when you get people in the UK, which used to be a Christian country, that are so indoctrinated by this idea, this whole narrative that that emerged out of World War II. It's essentially a narrative that came out of the Holocaust brainwashing from when you're at school basically is so strong 
And as, like I said, when you when you understand history and you understand what's going on, it's very depressing. So this morning I was reading an article in RT, and um, I, w- I wish I remembered it a little better. Uh, I, I it was a discussion of Nazism and what does Nazism mean? And of course, you know, a, a lot of people in our RBN audience. Um, just kind of scoff at this, uh, the, President Putin's uh, objective to denazify Ukraine, as if uh, Zelensky and Newland are Nazis. Uh, but there was, was I reading an, I, I was reading some sort of editorial, and I don't know if it was a reflection directly of something Putin had said or just a, an interpretation of it. But he was saying that what, what Nazism is, is, uh, he didn't use the term supremacism. He used the ter- two terms. One was exceptionalism, and the other was chosenness, which was very interesting. Obviously, who, who feels they're chosen? Um, you hear about American exceptionalism. Well, we're exceptional. And was, was saying, well, that's what Nazism is. At any rate, the idea, if, if there starts to be a discussion of chosenness as... Um, as being akin to Nazism, as being a, whatever Nazism means, but uh, chosenness as being problematic, then that is that is um, an avenue towards discussion of of the Jewish issue. But you've you've got, I know we've been talking about uh, Ukraine the whole time mostly, but uh, and Netanyahu um, just going pedal to the metal on this this destructive invasion and uh it's hard to say he's risking a regional war i mean he's embarking on a regional war and to to fully understand what's going on uh you have to understand that this is that the netanyahu is in um a coalition with extreme religious parties with religious parties that are uh, dedicated to the idea of uh, knocking down this Al-Aqsa Mosque, replacing it with a uh, a, a, a third temple, sacrificing a red heifer, and bringing on the Messiah. I mean, that and that's who Netanyahu is completely dependent on. And mm. so they're em- embarking in this in this direction. And maybe this could have worked if uh, if Netanyahu had been able to get. Bush or Obama or Trump to go along with this, maybe it would have worked. Maybe it would have worked in a pre-Ukraine world where the United States, after the uh, dissolution of the Soviet Union, it was the world's only superpower, it was able to pretty much um, get away with whatever. I won't say it was always able to get its way, because it wasn't. It was defeated place after place, but it was... um, it didn't suffer too serious repercussions. Now the United States isn't strong enough. It's not strong enough to uh, uh, allow Israel to, to get away with anything. And, but yet, um, but yet Netanyahu is determined to do this. He's, he's old. This is his last chance. So we'll see. I'll kick it back to you. Well, so far, I think the frustrating thing is that they do seem to be able to get away with it. Um, 
obviously this is a political uh, hot potato, really, for Western uh, countries like the UK and the United States, uh, who are, you know, uh, staunch allies, we've got your back, you know, whatever. Um, you know, because of the domestic political situation, because it's quite obvious this has got embarrassing uh, for for politicians in the West. Although, with that said, like I said, you have certain media in the UK who are still condemning uh, the Labour Party. Recently, the Labour Party had to sack uh, some Muslim um, MP because he had the temerity to suggest that uh, the Israelis allowed the uh, October 7th attack to go ahead. And, of course, the, the Jew-loving uh, Western uh, media, UK media, went uh, apoplectic uh, about how outrageous this was and launched into an anti-Muslim um, uh, tirade against this guy. And uh, Keir Starmer uh, had to sack him because, you see, uh, the Labour Party, of course, you know, and I heard headlines, the Labour Party haven't changed. They're still as anti-Semitic as ever. In fact, they don't even make a distinction between anti-Semitic and uh, anti-Zionist. Um but even in the backdrop of what's happening in Israel, they, they still uh, they still promote this narrative of anti-Semitism, and and then of course they conflate it with um, white interest. And uh, you know, the more you look at this, and the other worrying thing about it is not just is it so odious to witness these people still defending Israel, but you you know when you look through the comments, you you actually see people saying we need to have stronger laws against anti-Semitism. So you'll be in a situation where this, this will probably, the, the drums will be beating while, while Israel commits a genocide. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. 
Are you ready to take back your health? You can try Hemp Paste for the price of a cup of coffee. HempPaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at RepublicBroadcasting.org and visit HempPaste.com slash RBN. Homeowners, if your lender has gone out of business or sold your transaction to another lender or servicer, you may be the victim of a wrongful foreclosure resulting in the loss of your home. If you've already lost your home, are in foreclosure, or even in good standing, you can challenge the mortgage transaction's illegal issue and your property can be restored to you, and your foreclosure can be stopped or reversed and the mortgage transaction declared unenforceable. State laws, U.S. title codes, the Uniform Commercial Codes, and U.S. Supreme Court rulings have upheld that defective mortgage documentations can reverse or stop foreclosures and enforce property title claims in favor of the homeowner. We are having successes in stopping the process of foreclosure, the enforcement of the foreclosure judgments, the sale of property, and evictions after the sale. We are not attorneys, and we don't give legal advice. We are a professional team of legal researchers, providing forensic mortgage audits and expert witnesses. We have the knowledge to produce the evidence and enforce laws regarding your legal issues. We've been in business for 12 years without a complaint. Consultations are free, and we provide a free title search to confirm if your mortgage has legal defects. Email Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. You know, when you look through the comments, you, you actually see people saying we need to have stronger laws against anti-Semitism. So you'll be in a situation where this, this will probably the, the drums will be beating while while Israel commits a genocide. You'll have the drums beating in the UK probably. And it won't surprise me at all that simultaneously they'll bring in even more severe anti-Semitic laws in the UK. You know, that, that's where this sounds like it's going to me, you know. Well, yeah, it is going in that direction, and um, we're almost at the end of the show, but I'm just going to remind people, if they didn't hear me talk about this earlier, Josh Hawley, uh, he had Alejandro Mayorkas in front of him. Now, Alejandro Mayorkas is the uh, the Homeland Security Secretary. He is the person in charge of uh, border security, and he's he's was finally impeached. He'll have a trial in the Senate where he'll get let off. But he was impeached by the House of Representatives for a dereliction of duty for allowing this invasion to go ahead because he wants well, what a surprise. it. He likes it. And what a surprise. Another Jew. Yeah, another Jew. Exactly. And um, and so there was a, a clip that was being. Well, it was on uh, Paul. Uh, um, who's the guy? Uh, an Irish guy. I forgot his name, but but he. He mistakenly put it up. There's a clip of Josh Hawley just going um, really aggressive, really obnoxiously aggressive at Alejandro Mayorkas. And Alejandro Mayorkas says, well, maybe you don't know this, but I'm a, you know, my, I lost all my mother's family in the Holocaust. And he's like, oh, look, he's playing the Holocaust card. Well, that's what it looked like. That's what you would think had happened if you saw that 90-second clip. But if you saw the whole six-minute clip of the exchange, Holly wasn't mad, Mayorkas, about um, about the border. Holly was mad at Mayorkas because Mayorkas wasn't doing enough to sen- censor anti-Semitism. And Holly was saying <laughs> the most retarded things. Holly was saying that there are Jewish students all over the country barricading themselves in libraries from people who are calling for their genocide. 
and you're not doing anything. You're not doing enough about it. And I'm outraged. And you come before this. This is an outrage. You're you're despicable. And so in that case, I mean, with with Mayorkas being called like a uh, collaborator in the genocide of Jews, it actually was kind of relevant to say, well, you know, um, I lost my family at the Holocaust, boy. Um, it, yeah. That, but that's that's the response from these people. Anyway, I'm out of time. I'm going to kick it back to you, Paul. Yeah, well, that just it, 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 that, that, what you just outlined it makes it even more depressing because a lot of these people are apologists for Jewish interests and Jewish domination and uh, uh, you know eliminating anti-Semitism and everything else for whatever reason, whether it's ignorance or whether they're on the uh, the payroll. Um, you know, it, it doesn't matter. I, I don't know. But uh, it's like they don't need any more assistance, you know? No. It's it's also, I, I honestly, on the one hand, I've given up on um, America being able to make much progress through its own political system, even with a likely election of Donald Trump. Um My name is John, the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee, it's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumer's house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted, it's one of the best beans that we can get, and you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.